Hey, you guys are looking pretty good for being 85 years old. You guys know that this is the year of Boulevard's 85th anniversary. Pretty cool, right? And some of you guys were here not quite 85 years ago, but as I've been doing a little bit of history and studying up on the history of Boulevard the last couple of weeks, it was interesting to see so many of you looking so young with not the same last name. That was fun to see. I got to tell you, I had a good time looking through it all. Uh, looking forward to spending this year with you. If you. Again, if you're visiting with us, please, please, please fill out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you so we can get a record of your attendance. And like Jimmy had said, stick around. You might find some friendly people here. In fact, I would even submit to you that it's probably not a might. You will find friendly people here. We'll get to know you a little bit, start building relationships. That'd be fantastic. Want to remind everyone to be here, back here at the building tonight at 6 p.m. to encourage our young men as we're having our youth-led Devo tonight uh, here at the building. Life group mailings are going to be going out this week, so keep an eye out. Those letters are going to be hitting your mailboxes. Leaders have their groups. They were going to be talking with you, figuring out what the time frame looks like, all of those things for when we start life groups back up next month. Ina told me that I had to say this or she would beat me. And since Judith already beat me with a spoon this morning, I have to start taking these threats seriously. 39ers is this Wednesday. And not just any 39ers. Our speaker this month is going to be Mr. Ray Hyatt. He's coming down to speak. But not only is Ray Hyatt speaking, Nick's making gumbo. And not only, now this is where it gets really exciting, not only is Nick making gumbo, Shelly is making her jalapeno potato salad, guys. Hey, and I'm going to tell you, if you were here for the gumbo cook-off, you understand why I'm making such a big deal out of that potato salad. It is fantastic. So if you're in that 39ers age bracket, go ahead and feel free to stop on by on Wednesday for that. want to remind everyone that next Sunday... Mr. Tyrone Minear is going to be in town. He's going to be doing our Bible class. He's going to be doing the Sunday morning sermon. He's a missionary in South Sudan and Ethiopia. He's going to be presenting the work that he is doing over there. And then following that Sunday morning service, we've got the January 9th jambalaya feed, right, for Gulf Coast Getaway. If you have not participated or even or you don't know what Gulf Coast Getaway is, there's a little blurb in your bulletin. Read about that. We're not asking for you to pay for the jambalaya, but we are asking for donations to help through all of that as we get into this. And then, final announcement, and we'll get into the lesson. Don't remember, if you have signed up for the Everyone Can Sing seminar, that's going to start January 13th, 6 o'clock, here in the auditorium on that Thursday. Look forward to seeing all 51 of you who signed up for that. That should be fantastic as we're working through that. It's a new year, so we're going to continue our break from our first and second Peter series and just look at an idea that I'd like for us to carry with us as a body and as a family moving forward into 2022 as we spend our time in Matthew chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn over there. We'll get there in a minute. But have you ever stopped to consider all of the really cool things that the disciples got to participate in? I mean, think about this for a second. Tell me, you... you as you read about the disciples and the work that they're doing with Jesus, how that you would wish that you could just be there to participate in those types of things. Like, how many of us would love to be able to cast out a demon? 
right? Now, some of, our, some of us that are parents are thinking, I've cast out plenty of demons from my children, right? But just think about that for a second, casting out a demon. Or what about, even cooler, raising the dead? Man, I'm going to tell you, Jeremy's just stubborn enough that he'll be like, does he really deserve to be raised from the dead? I'd have to go through the, the argument on those things. Or, or healing the sick, right? These guys had been given power by Jesus to heal the sick. Or, or what about the thing that happens right before our text in Matthew chapter 14 where you're passing out fish and loaves from baskets and it never decreases in volume as you're passing it out. And you're thinking, well, surely we'll run out and I can quit this job, right? But you just keep on walking and people keep on eating and you're going, what in the world is going on here? That would be fantastic to experience. But I think of all of the things that the disciples got to actually experience, one of the absolute coolest, what Jeremy thinks would be the most awesome thing ever, would be walking on water. Right? Now, I know only one disciple got to walk on water. That's Peter, and I get that. But that's still cool, right? I mean, and think about it. Have you ever stopped to consider what life would be like if we could walk on water? Now, it raises a lot of questions for me, like what I need to know how to swim if I could walk on water. And if I did need to know how to swim, how would I transition from walking on water to swimming? Weird, right? And if we could walk on water, think about how neat it would be to walk out into the middle of the lake, have a picnic, right on the lake. No boat, no nothing, we're just in the middle of the lake, walking on water, sitting down, having a picnic, and I could even be fishing while I'm at the picnic. Now, knowing government and how it works, imagine the regulations that would come with being able to walk on water, right? There'd be the no walking on water zones as you're going around because of boat traffic and everything else. Just imagine the crosswalk across the lake as you're trying to figure these things out, right? The whole reason that we're going to be looking at Peter walking on the water this morning is my prayer and my hope as we talk about there's only two people in the history of humanity who have ever done this, Peter and Jesus, but as we look at this and what we see in Matthew 14, my prayer is that it will set the stage for our time together this morning, but not just this morning, that it steers our focus for the rest of this year and the rest of our lives. All right, read together with me. Matthew chapter 14, let's start in verse 22. The 5,000 have been fed. Jesus has, is up on the mountain praying. And in verse 22, it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And he had, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain to, by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat, that's the boat with the disciples, okay? The boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, Command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you have little faith, why'd you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. 
And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly the Son of God. New year, new mistake. There we go. Sea of Galilee is an interesting piece of geography when you start studying it and you start looking at it. Now, its location makes it prone to sudden and violent storms because the wind, what happens is the wind comes over the eastern mountains and comes down onto the sea, all right? And what happens is this cold air will come over the mountains and it will hit the warm air above the sea. And for those of us that understand wind, and if you don't, go outside for like five minutes, it creates an issue and now you're going to be pushing on each other and that wind is going to come up. Now, there's this thing in wind and water called the Beaufort scale. Anybody ever heard of the Beaufort scale? Okay, a couple of us have. That's, and really all it is is made by, came up with by this vice admiral that he wanted to have a scale that describes what water looks like and how it affects boats on the water because of wind. All right, that's basically what the Beaufort scale is. Well, the Beaufort scale, pretty much universal. The Beaufort scale says a 40-knot wind... That's 46 miles an hour, which, by the way, is only 10 miles an hour more than the gusts we're going to receive today. Okay, just so we can understand the level of wind that we're talking about. A 40-knot wind is two steps below what Beaufort says is a storm. That's actually just called a fresh gale. And we're not talking about Barbara. A fresh gale, 40 knots, okay? The Sea of Galilee's storms. Well, let me back up. Average on the year, wind on the Sea of Galilee is about 10 knots. That's average. Right? This is not, like I think we picture it in our minds, a calm body of water. Because how many of us picture when we're reading the story, Jesus, you know, blue beauty pageant sash, windblown hair, Swedish walking on the water, and it's glass, just utterly calm. How many of us picture that in our minds when we read that, right? But that's not how the story is being described to us from Matthew, is it? Now think about this for a second, guys. These guys were told to get in the boat immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. Now let's say that by the time they get in the boat, it's at the latest 8 o'clock at night. That means that they've gone 600 feet by the time it's about 6 in the morning across the sea. And all John says is because the winds were contrary. They were being battered. They were being tormented by the winds through all of this. So this is a big storm that has come down on the lake. Now, a Ford, now going back to my Beaufort scale 40-knot thing, a 40-knot wind will create waves on a body of water the size of the Sea of Galilee up to six and a half feet. Boy, this is not turning out the way we pictured this story when we read it, is it? Now, you understand how a wave works, right? I'm six foot four. So that means the bottom valley of a wave to the top of Jeremy's head, that's the size of the waves that are on the Sea of Galilee that it can produce during these types of winds. And and have you ever been out in a storm? It's loud, right? 
It's kind of like those movies that's a pet peeve of mine where you got a bunch of guys sitting in a helicopter and they're like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, I just went out and hung out. No, man. You ever sat in a helicopter? You're yelling. And so I can imagine the picture, all right? Let me put my, my thingy down here. I can imagine the picture, right? The disciples are in the boat and they're getting beat up by waves, by wind. It's loud. I don't even think they probably saw Jesus a mile out here, okay, guys? He's probably only maybe 30, 40 yards out. The waves are bouncing him up and down. They see somebody walking on the water in the middle of a storm. What's the first thing you think? Ah! It's a ghost! And Jesus very calmly and serenely says, Take courage, it is I. No, man. He, they wouldn't hear him if he had said that. So I imagine Jesus at this point, because of the loudness and the wind and the storm and everything that's going on, said, hey, 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 it's just me. Take a chill pill. Probably not saying it that way. But just calm down, guys. It's just me. Been walking with me for a long time now. I ain't a ghost. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Yelling. And of course, Peter's response is, Lord, if that's you, command me to come out to you. Ah, Lord, hey, if that really is you, I, I need you to command me, command me to come out to you. And Jesus says, come on. That's how loud everything is going on right now. And for those of us that have experienced that kind of loudness, can you think straight? Are things a little crazy? Is it a little bit chaotic during that time period? And, and I'm convinced because of the size of the waves, they probably couldn't lay eyes on Jesus continually through all of this. That if they're in the valley of the wave and Jesus is in another valley, well, listen, the average height of an, Israel, of an Israeli is not seven feet tall. And so they're going by sound and by periodic sight of Jesus through all of this. And it's in this moment when everybody's afraid, except for Jesus, exhausted from fighting the wind and the waves, probably soaking wet, that Peter learns the most powerful lesson. We learn the most powerful lesson that is being presented in this entire story. And it's there that our expectations are subverted and we actually learn something. Because how many times do we pray that the storm be removed? But what does Peter ask for? Lord, I need you to take me further into the storm. I want to go deeper into this mess. And do you know why Peter wants to go deeper into the mess? Because Peter knows one thing and one thing only. That when you're in a bunch of trouble, where's the safest place to be? Right next to Jesus. He has learned that through his walk with Jesus. Think about uh, the Gerasene demoniac, right? Just for an example. He has experienced this where they come out of a boat, they come up onto the shore, and this some crazy naked guy come running at you. I imagine the disciples were like, single file behind Jesus real quick, please. <laughs> right? Peter knows this. He knows the safest place is right next to the master. And so he looks around 
And he goes, man, I thought it was safe in this boat. But now I realize this boat doesn't provide me the safety that I want. The only place I need to be right now is right next to the master. Which, by the way, isn't that what the scripture reading was about? That if anyone serves me, remember what Jesus says, if anyone serves me, let him be where I am. Peter's request to come out onto the water had nothing to do with doubt. It had nothing to do with a test. And everything to do with the best and safest place is right next to Jesus. It's the only place to be. And so it's with that knowledge, Peter steps out of the boat. Now remember, there's wind, there's waves. This isn't like just stepping out of the boat and being all calm. Can you imagine him, the thought process running through his head as he's stepping out of the boat? What am I thinking? This is crazy. What, what's going on here? But he just does. He just steps out of the boat and he begins making his way toward Jesus, right? Because he wants to be where Jesus is at. And so he hears Jesus' words of take courage. I love that phrase because that means that we actually have to grab onto it and we got to screw it to the sticking place and move. And Peter is not content to just simply not be afraid. That he understands that he's got to move beyond the simple, okay, Jesus, you told me to not be afraid. I'm not afraid. Now I actually have to do something. And he takes hold of that courage, moving toward the master. How many steps did Peter get, get in? You ever think about that? He get 10 in? He get 20? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. You want to know why it doesn't matter? Because Peter went to Jesus. That's why it doesn't matter. Okay, that's what matters, is that through his courage, Peter stepped out of the boat and moved toward the master. That's the point of the story. It's not his failure that's the point of the story here, guys. And so often we, we focus on the failure of Peter. Well, <laughs> Peter... If you'd have been a little bit more like Jesus, you could have walked on water the whole time. The point of the story is that Peter makes his move toward Jesus, and when trouble comes, what does he say? Lord, save me! And Jesus says, in a minute. Haven't learned your lesson yet. No. What does Matthew tell us happens? Immediately, Jesus reaches out and grabs hold of him, which means to tell me, that Peter had made it to Jesus. Doesn't it? He had made it to Jesus. He immediately reaches out to save Peter. And see, I think this is one of the great lies that Satan throws on us all the time. I think when we find ourselves in chaos and trouble and storms and we're like, Lord, if that's you, just command me to come to you. And, Jesus, and we know what Jesus is going to say. We know he's going to say, come. But the, the, the enemy and Satan will sit there and say, oh, buddy, you done messed up now. Master ain't nowhere around. And all you got is me. And that's a lie. Because where is the master always? 
but in the immediate vicinity, waiting for us to cry out for salvation. And the minute we do, the hand is there. And here's the beautiful thing about this, guys. How'd they get back to the boat? They walked together back to the boat. See, Peter's water-walking journey didn't end when he sunk. It continued when Jesus lifted him up and saved him, and they went back to the boat together. And the minute they get in the boat, it's calm. The wind stops. Guys, the master is there the whole time. He's always there. We've been talking about this in our, our Wednesday night Bible class from 1 John. He's right there. Do not let the enemy blind you to the presence of the master. It's a game he plays when he's ready, willing, and waiting to help us in those times of trouble. And let's, let's make that, that idea, this, 20, this idea moving into 2020, let's make this the, the focus of our thought process as we go forward, right? Let's step out of the boat here, people. Because one of the things that the boat presents to the disciples and to Peter and to everyone in the story except Jesus is a false sense of security, a false sense of safety, right? I'm sure that they were pretty safe in that boat, but it must not have been 100% safe for Peter to want to get out of it. That at times when we're living our lives as Christians, and here's the deal, we ain't doing this independently, we are doing this together, that's how God set this whole thing up, that we face storms, we face challenges, we face trials, we face a little bit of chaos, and we go, Lord, I need to be right next to you. And Jesus says, come on. But we got to step out of the boat. We have to step out of the boat to move to him. We'll do it together because I think I heard somebody say, together is better. And stepping out doesn't mean that we have no fear. Because fear, all fear, all courage is, by the way, is not an absence of fear. It's moving toward the desired goal through your fear. So stepping out of the boat doesn't mean we have no fear. It simply means that our courage is greater than our fear. Stepping out of the boat means that we recognize our fear for what it is. And we want more than anything to be closer to Jesus. We want more than anything to be closer to Jesus as individuals. We want more than anything to be closer to Jesus as a family. Because where he is not provides true freedom and true safety, not some idea of safety that we've constructed in our own minds. Because that's what the lesson from Matthew 14 teaches us. 
Are we ready to resolve, which I'm actually kind of surprised that Eric didn't choose for the invitation song, I am resolved this morning, just because it's the first Sunday of the year. Are we resolved to not only make it our goal to be closer to Jesus, but also to make it our goal to help those members of the church be closer to Jesus? To help each other through this thing. One of the beauties of the Lord's church is that he, he establishes this thing. You know, he sends his son, God in flesh. He lives this life. He dies. He's buried. He's raised. He ascends. And, and one of the first things that happens is the believers just get together. Every time you see trouble in the New Testament scriptures, what do you see the believers doing? Getting together. Why? Because there's strength in numbers, and if the Roman army attacked, they'd be able to repel the attack? No! Because they understood that they needed to be closer to the master, and they could do that together. We don't have to do it alone. In fact, God doesn't expect us or call us to do it alone. Let us help you. We're here for you. We're going to stand and sing a song. And maybe you found yourself living a life that, where you thought was safe and you felt pretty comfortable, even though the boat rocks quite a bit and there's a ton of waves and you're soaking wet and you're tired of trying to provide your own method of safety and your own method of movement through life. And you see Jesus and you know Jesus and you know the safety that is provided in Jesus and you're ready to now let go of any ideas of what you think life is about and embrace the life that he has come to die for. Listen, guys, don't let Satan fool you that when we sit here today or any other day of the week that God gives us air to breathe and we say, well, hey, you know, if that was really Jesus, he'd tell me to come to him. Well, Matthew 14 says that Jesus' immediate response anytime says, hey, if that's really you, command me to come to you, is come. Come to Jesus. Get closer to him. Die. Put that old life to death as you make the confession of him as Lord. You're buried in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. Raise this new creature, free from guilt, free from sin. Living for him with all of us. Perhaps you're even a member of a boulevard, the boulevard family, or even visiting with us. It doesn't matter. Here's the deal. We're still in this thing together because the Lord's church is not just tied to 2801. We're here for you, and we're here for you because we love you. We love you because we've learned what love is. And we are here to help. The elders are here for counsel, to pray for you, to help. They love you. Whatever it is that we can do for you this morning, we encourage you to make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing.